It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 203. Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and sport and lots of things from throughout the world. Uh, We do so from a Christian perspective, but we are open to everybody. Uh, I've been doing this mini-series in in the context of the Quantum on my top 10 concerts that I've been to. And my number three was a concert that I went to in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Castle. And this is actually a recording from that concert. I wonder if you know who this is. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. (laughs) The birds they sang at the break of day start again. I seem to hear them sing. Passed away, or what is yet to be. That is the wonderful Leonard Cohen, and I think I'm going to call this the Cohen episode because you'll hear more of him as we go on. Uh, just, I can't describe how brilliant he is, and I can't describe how brilliant that concert was. My sister was with me at the time, and I remember looking around 10,000 people. And I said to my sister, who at the time I don't think was a Christian, she is now, I said to her, do you know, I think you and I are the only people who get this. And she said, what? And I said, well, half Leonard Cohen's songs are about sex and the other half, and sometimes the same song, are from the Bible. And, uh, you know, I wonder how many people here get the biblical references. Well, I, I find just his music and everything just astounding. The concert was unbelievable. His voice was unbelievable. Um, it was so clear in the poetry and the music. It was just all stunning. But the crack is where the light gets in. That's from the song Everybody Knows. And for me, that's just a great theme. We're looking at the cracks that are in the world. But that's not a reason for us to despair. That's where the light of Christ comes in. And we've got some great clips for you. So let's get on with it. We're continuing with a number of themes that have been going, because there's a lot happening in the world just now. And I do think there are significant changes. And one of them is the financial crisis. Now, the Fed have just announced that they're going to raise the benchmark of interest rates in the in the US by 0.75 percentage points. That's a huge, I think that's the biggest lift they've had for over three decades. And that really impacts us because it puts your mortgages up, it puts food prices up. Uh, workers in, in Australia have just been given the minimum wage has gone up by 5.6%. It's wonderful, but inflation is going to go beyond that. 
So it kind of all cancels each other out. And then the wage increase will fuel inflation, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're in, in danger of getting into an inflationary spiral. Now, the other aspect of that, you know, people will question about putting up the minimum wage, and that's a political argument. But uh, I read a very interesting article uh, entitled The Biggest Welfare Scroungers Are Big Business. And that's from, from the Skeptics Group. This is what is happening in our culture. Companies, big companies, are give, being given tax breaks. So, for example, a company doesn't charge tax on aviation fuel. It's a subsidy to the airline industry. Florida doesn't or didn't charge Disney the same as other companies. Purchase of weapons by government subsidize many high-tech industries. Sending your soldiers to protect oil pipelines is a subsidy to the oil industry, and so on. When the US and British governments lend money to poor countries, then insist it has to be spent on exports from US or British companies, that's a subsidy to those companies. Government spending on research, the results of which are then given to private companies, that's a huge subsidy. The British government gives over £90 billion per year in corporate subsidies, and the US government spends at least £800 billion subsidising the US corporations. Now, this funds and helps many, many things, but it's the government and therefore the taxpayer which covers the costs, takes the risks, and then hands the profit to private companies. Many of the recipients of these subsidies then dominate their industries, make big profits, pay large amounts to shareholders and to their senior executives. America's oil, gas and mining corporations, for example, are among the most profitable in the world yet they receive tax breaks and other subsidies worth billions of dollars. The same with the big agricultural companies. One-tenth of the farms, usually the biggest, get three-quarters of the subsidies in the US. The same happened with the European agricultural policy. Huge global companies then pursue profits, irrespective of the downsides to society. They have too much influence over politics and regulation, and they have the power to exploit customers, suppliers, staff, governments, and the environment. They can also effectively operate outside the law because they are able to commit crimes with no punishment worse than a fine, which they can easily afford. So... Why do, I, why do I say all that? I did think that, that that article was fascinating and I think we need to be aware of corporate influence and billionaires' influence in our politics and it tends to be left-leaning progressive. So here in Australia during the recent election there were a group of independents who are not really independent, they're funded by uh, multi-billionaires and on the, the right-wing side as well, the same thing. I think that's profoundly dangerous. And that includes the next item that we look at the, in the energy crisis. So uh, these big corporations can say, we need government subsidies because we need to save the planet. And meanwhile, they're making millions, billions for themselves. So I'll just give you some examples of this. Now, in a sense, I'm not talking here about whether climate change is man-made and the argument about that. And there is an argument about it. It's not absolutely, you know, I'm I, I pr pretty certain that climate change is man-made, or at least some of it is, but how to deal with it is another question. Now, so for example, here in Australia, we've just had it announced by Mark McGowan, the Premier of Western Australia, that all state-owned coal mines will be closed by 2030. 
And lots of people saying, oh, this is wonderful. It's good for climate change. This is how renewables work. We'll get renewables in and so on. But here's the problem. Western Australia will not stop exporting coal to China and India. So there is no difference made on climate change whatsoever. On the other hand, some of the renewable billionaires are going to make a lot of money out of all of this. And right now, where I'm sitting in New South Wales, we're waiting tonight to see if our supply is going to be cut off, partly because we've uh, cut down on coal. We've allowed gas and so on to be exported rather than used here. And we, we don't have remotely enough renewables to fund a city of five million, to, to fuel a city of five million. The Prime Minister of Australia, Albanese, has just signed a letter today announcing a 43% reduction in emissions by 2030. But that's only in Australia. That's not counting our carbon footprint. Look, if I don't burn coal in, in my house, but I sell it to my neighbour who burns coal in his house, how am I reducing carbon emissions? It's not. It's, it's, a, it's an insane system. But I, I read something today, that, well, not this week, and I thought, no, it can't be true. But I checked it for you, and it is true. So this is the kind of hypocrisy. Our celebrities love to lecture us about climate change. So Orlando Bloom, for example, in 2018, he argued, the urgency of climate change has never rung louder. The world is changing. We need to change our habits along with it. However, it then emerged that he had flown to the event in Monaco with his fiancée, pop singer Katy Perry, on a private jet. In 2015, Perry had told fans, share your story on how you are helping to reduce climate change with the hashtag FightUnfair. Three years later, in 2018, she flew false nails for Kim Kardashian by a private jet 2,450 miles from LA to New York after Kardashian had forgotten to pack them. Yeah. You know, the Beckhams, <laughs> the same. The whole Beckham family advocates action on climate change. So Brooklyn Beckham, their son, told GQ magazine, I do the basics, like not letting the water run when I brush my teeth. I measure out my water for tea and I do not let the water run when I shower. Easy things like that make a difference. Yet the 23-year-old and his wife, Harris Nicola Peltz, travelled by private jet on their first Christmas together. He also flew with his family by private jet to Miami in December 2020. Victoria and David flew by private jet to Brooklyn and Nicola's Palm Beach wedding in Florida. How much does it cost? How much carbon? So I'm not going to let the water run a lot in my shower and I urge you to do the same, but I'm going to run by private jet. I am going to go to Leonard Cohen again. Brilliant song. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows. The war is over, everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that the boat 
leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates in the long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows the dice are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows the good guy's lost. I love Cohen because he is dark, but he never leaves it, or doesn't often leave it completely dark. Everybody knows that you're in trouble. Everybody knows what you've been through, from the bloody cross on top of Calvary to the beach of Malibu. Everyone knows it's coming apart. Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows. Everybody knows. In in so many of Cohen's albums, particularly his, his later ones, there is this hint of redemption through Christ. Love it. Okay, another bit of news. Um, I came across this survey. The It comes out every year. The 10 most dangerous countries in the world. Number 10, Sudan. Number 9, the Central African Republic. Number 8, Somalia. Then Iraq. Then the Democratic Republic of the Congo. South Sudan. Russia. I'm assuming now Ukraine would be up there as well. Syria. Yemen. And Afghanistan, the most dangerous. And the safest? Number 10, Japan. Number 9, Singapore. Then the Czech Republic. Then Slovenia. Then Portugal. Austria. Denmark. Ireland. New Zealand. And the safest country in the world? Iceland. All right, let's go on to think about the Rwanda flights. Now, the UK government has a plan to send refugees who are coming to the UK increasingly through people smugglers across the English Channel and it's a problem and something needs to be done about it but they've controversially decided to send refugees back to or to Rwanda to a camp in Rwanda where it can their status can be processed now there's a lot of controversy about that I'm not 100% sure what I think about it but that has been stopped by the European Court of Human Rights and uh, we'll see how all of this pans out. We've got the, a situation in Australia where there have been three boats from Sri Lanka. The economy in Sri Lanka is, is falling apart and there have been boats of people trying to get to Australia. And so far, the Labour government here have just turned them back. I mean, it's... it's uh, it's interesting how we contrast the attitude in the UK and the attitude here. Now, I think the situation is much more complex than people say. It's easy to say, well, just welcome the refugees. But there's a billion plus people in Africa, most of whom are poor. How many are you going to take in the UK? Or in Australia, a population of 25 million. There's Indonesia with 250 million, one of our nearest neighbours. How many... Are we going to take? And what, you know, refugees from war? Yeah, the Ukrainians, we understand that. Maybe the Sudanese, Yemenis. But what about economic migrants? How many are you going to take? Well, the Church of England bishops are unanimous about this, and, and the Church of Scotland as well. And I, I just find it a little disingenuous. And I love this from Calvin Robinson. 
I find it fascinating that the bishops in the Church of England cannot agree on the resurrection. They cannot agree on the virgin birth. They cannot agree on what's necessary for our salvation. But they can unanimously agree to oppose conservative government policy on issues like Rwanda, climate change and Brexit. Can I ask you a they really inflammatory question? Far t- no, they've become far too <laughs> political. I'll give you a chance. Let him finish and I'll give you a chance. It's all right. Go on, Calvin. Go on. It's, it's, a, it's clearly an echo chamber. It's clearly a political groupthink, which is dangerous, and they need some diversity of thought and opinion, and they seem very afraid of that. And they're not doing their job, which is to, you know, they're moralising things like the vaccine, but they're not moralising their faith. They're, they've got it back to front. OK, inflammatory question time. Do you think Jesus would be pro the Rwanda thing? Absolutely. You know why? We know why? Yes, absolutely. Because people across... Ah, Great. Moralising their vaccine and their faith. I do think that is... There's a great deal of truth in his critique there. Amazing how bishops in the Church of Scotland Assembly can be so clear about Brexit and refugees coming from... Or economic migrants coming from other countries, but they, they... they can't be certain about salvation or heaven or the Trinity or stuff that the church is supposed to be doing. And again, just before people start writing in outraged, I, the refugee problem is much more complex and I, I, I just don't know. I don't know enough about it. And I can't really comment on, on other than the fact that when people stand up and say no borders, that's insanity. That is impossible. But equally, I think it is wrong for a country to exclude people who are suffering. Speaking of countries, uh, well, here we go again. Nicola Sturgeon promising that Scotland's going to get another independence referendum. Now, I'm probably going to do a special on Scotland, but we had to deal with this. And here is uh, a man or someone called Mercurius Scotland pointing out how ridiculous this is. Uh, look, my intention is that it will be before the end of next year. I think there is... In autumn 18, you said you'd set out your plans for an independence referendum in the not-too-distant future. The Scottish Government will, next week, publish the detailed democratic case to enable a referendum. In autumn 2019, you said the referendum must happen next year. Um, in the second half of next September. year. Not, around about that time, yes. Um, and we'll you know, obviously uh, say more about that. In autumn 2020, you said you wouldn't rule out a vote in 2021. The legislation, if a referendum is to be delivered within the first half of this parliament, which is my preference. And in 2021, you said you'd start pushing for a referendum in spring 2022. When is going to be the right time? Basically, Nicola Sturgeon has promised a referendum more or less every year. This time, it's a little bit more specific, October 2023. It's not going to happen, despite what you will read in press and so on. It's not going to happen. Why is it not going to happen? Because in order for a referendum to happen, the British government has to give a Section 30 order. It has to be agreed between the Scottish government and the British government. The British government have said absolutely they are not going to do it. The Labour Party have said they are not going to do it. So the Scottish government could not legally hold a referendum. Or let me put this another way. They could not hold a referendum that is legally binding. Yes, they could hold a vote, but the Tories and others would just boycott it. I suspect Labour would as well and the Lib Dems. So it would be utterly pointless. Um, So why is Nicola doing this? It's about her and it's about her party. It has nothing to do with Scottish independence. She knows it's not going to happen, but she knows that she's been promising this to her troops and her supporters for so long, she has to do something. 
and at least this way she'll be able to say nasty Westminster stopped us doing it. They'll go to the High Court or the Supreme Court who will turn them down. That's my prediction. All right, let's come across the world here to Australia. Have a listen to this. Are you ready to wiggle? I'm ready to wiggle. Is everyone ready to wiggle? Yeah! Here comes the old Wiggles routine from Andrew Redmayne. Okay, everybody, loosen up. Let's get ready to wiggle. Here comes the old Wiggles routine from Andrew Redmayne. Get ready to wiggle. We've been ready for so long. Get ready to wiggle. When you wiggle, you can't go wrong. Get ready to wiggle. Wiggle will make you big and strong. Get ready to wiggle. Okay, who's Redmayne and who are the Wiggles? If you don't know those, you don't know about Australian football, as in soccer, and you don't know about Australian music. The Wiggles are basically a kids band, they're kind of legendary here. They are uh, (laughs) quite funny. Um, But Redmayne was the goalie this week who the Australian goalie who in the playoff to get into the World Cup finals Australia were playing Peru he came on as a substitute for the penalties and he saved the final penalty uh, using uh, I didn't realize you're allowed to do this I thought the goalie had to stay still on the line but apparently the rules have changed and so he did the wiggles dance on the line bouncing up and down which is you should see the clip I'm like I'll put the clip up on the website. It's really, it's quite, it's really quite something else. But anyway, the bearded baldy is now a superhero here in Australia. And then I've been watching, and I do want to highly commend it, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? It was worth subscribing to the Daily Wire for it. Just brilliant. Just brilliant seeing the madness. And uh, here's a clip from it. Can you tell me about the procedures that you you had i've had seven surgeries i've had one stress heart attack i've had a helicopter life ride uh with a pulmonary embolism i've had uh 17 rounds of antibiotics i had six inches of hair on the inside of my urethra for 17 months nobody would help me including the doctor that did this to me because i lost my insurance i get infections every three to four months i'm probably not going to live very long was there any real discussion of the risks and the side effects and no no there's not and i know that people want to think that there is but there's not the truth is is that medical transition is experimental we have um studies that said that medical transition helps mental health helps mental health with kids they've all been retracted modified changed But the only long-term study tells us seven to 10 years is when transgender people are the most suicidal. Now that ties in what we were saying earlier, because in the course of this, one of the things that's come across is how much money Big Pharma makes and how much money doctors make from the transgender fad and how much harm it does. You know, we are mutilating teenagers. We are mutilating children. People are making lots and lots and lots of money out of it for what is a mental condition. And why? Why are we going along with this? It just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? All right, that's a bit heavy. 
I, I got to go to this as well. Um, there's a church in the U.S. that uh, have molded their sermons, a series of sermons around Dolly Parton. Now, we'll come to that in a minute, but this is a wonderful clip. Um, and again, look at the whole thing. Dolly Parton was on holiday in Ireland. She went into an Irish pub. People recognise her. She's pretty recognisable. And she ag ag agreed to sing. Just listen to a bit of this. My name is Dolly and I'm here on vacation and I had not planned to sing tonight. I was going to be entertained, but uh, he says he knows my song, Coat of Many Colours, and he asked me if I would sing it. And I thank all of you for being fans and I'm having a great time here. So we don't know how we're going to sound because this is a first for both of us, but uh, this is a song I wrote. That's a true story from my own life, and I'm sure a lot of you folks can relate to it. So I hope maybe we do okay. You're Steve, right? And you're what? Shemus. Well, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> All right. All right. Just start picking them. Back through the years, I go wandering once again. Back to the seasons of my youth I do recall a box of rags that someone gave us And how my mama put the rags to use Now there were rags of many colors But every piece was small And I didn't have a coat And it was way down in so mama sewed the rags together She sewed every piece with love And made my coat of many colors That I was so proud of Why mama sewed She told a story from the Bible She had read about a coat of many colors Joseph wore and then she said I hope this coat will bring you good luck and happiness And I just couldn't wait to wear it And Mama blessed it with a kiss In my coat of many colors that my Mama made for me Made all the print rags, but I wore it so This church, right, Reverend Cox, uh, a woman minister, said she was inspired by a sermon she'd heard at a Congregational United Church in Oklahoma City, and she'd done sermons based on Dolly Parton, including the song you've just heard, Coat of Many Colours, which she managed to make it talk about the 19th Amendment talking about women's rights. Now, let me say, first of all, I mean, how crazy that is, but... Dolly Parton's got it spot on. Dolly Parton is a professing Christian. She said this, I don't want to be worshipped because there's a scripture in my Bible that talks about idol worship. And I see that happening all the time with movie stars and these celebrities. People literally worship them more than they worship God. And I just cringe at it sometimes. I have to say, I love Dolly Parton. That's mainly because of my daughter has taught me to love Dolly Parton. But I do love Dolly Parton. Um, she's up there with J.K. Rowling as one of the great women of our time. But no, we're not going to have church services themed after Dolly Parton. All right. 
Uh, I want to go, but I want you to play. I want to play this. That you know, when we Leonard Cohen sang about the light coming in the crack, and we're talking about all these. What's truth? Listen to this from Jordan Peterson. This for me was stunning. The Bible is true in a very strange way. It's true in that it provides the basis for truth itself. And so it's like a meta-truth. Without it, there couldn't even be the possibility of truth. And so maybe that's the most true thing. The most true thing isn't some truth per se. It's that which provides the precondition for all judgments of truth. I can't see any holes in that argument. And I can't see any holes in it from a scientific perspective either, because I think we do know well enough now as scientists that the problem of deriving ethical direction from the collection of facts is an intractable problem. There's too many facts. There's an infinite number of facts. They do not provide an unerring guide for action. They can't. There's too many of them. They have to be prioritized. And as soon as they are prioritized, well, then you're in the ethical domain. The Bible is true, he said. In fact, it's more than that. It provides the basis for truth itself. Without it, there couldn't be the possibility of truth. Now, I think it's wonderful. Jordan doesn't quite still get there because what the Bible does is the Bible tells us the truth. I believe it's it's absolutely true. But the truth is a person. The person is Jesus Christ. And I, I pray for Jordan. I pray for you. I, I pray for myself that we would all get to know Christ and get to know him better. So, in a world of war, in a world of COVID, in a world of crony capitalism, in a world in crisis on financial terms, on energy terms, and transgender madness, and so on, it's good to think of the truth. And it's good to go back. We're gonna, I'm going to finish by going with Leonard Cohen. You got me singing. It's such a, a cheerful song. You got me singing Even though the news is bad You got me singing The only song I ever had You got me singing Ever since the river died You got me thinking Of the places we could hide you got me singing, even though it all looks grim. You got me singing the hallelujah hymn. You got me singing like a prisoner in a jail. You got me singing like my pardons in the mail. That's what Christians, we're a singing people. We're a joyful people. We can sing even in the midst of trouble. So uh, go to the website and you'll get all the links there. Um, I've just started putting out a monthly prayer letter for the ask work that we're doing here in Sydney and Australia and elsewhere. If you'd like to sign up for that, please do let me know. You got any news or comments? Uh, please feel free to make them to me. And if you would like to support us, go to the Podbean fundraiser. All the links on theweefly.com.com. But God bless you. See you next week. Keep on singing. You got me singing. Like a prisoner in a jail. You got me singing. Like my pardons in the mail You got me wishing Our little love would last You got me thinking Like those people of the past You got me singing 
Singing, 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 